have you ever left for a trip like the McAllister family did in this clip from Home Alone 2? Maybe you got up late, slept through an alarm, and you have to rush out the door hoping that you don't forget something important on the way. When we travel, especially when we're rushing to leave, it's really important for everyone to pitch in and do what they can to help us get out the door. Whether your job is to make sure people get up on time, to load the luggage, count the tickets, or just simply make sure you haven't left one of your children at home, there's something that all of us can do when we're getting ready to leave for vacation. In my family, I am in charge of packing and loading the bags into our car. Haley makes sure that all of our animals are ready for us to leave. And Bree, my two-year-old, is in charge of not making a mess for five minutes. We've all got things that we do to make sure that our travel plans are successful. And just like there's something that all of us can do when we're about to leave the home, everyone who follows Jesus has something they can do as part of the church's continuing mission. We've all got something we can do to help. And the continuing mission is actually the name of our current series here at Rooftop, where we are looking at the end of the book of Romans, which is written by this guy named Paul. Paul was an early follower of Jesus who traveled throughout the Roman Empire and wrote a number of books that are now in the New Testament portion of your Bible. And we've been walking through Romans here at Rooftop in an extended study, and we're nearing the end. And as we near the end, in Romans 15, 23 to 29, Paul is actually looking forward to what's next for him, and he is sharing his travel plans. The journey that he is about to go on, and how the Roman church that he's writing to can help him with those plans. And the big message of this portion of Romans is really this, that just like everyone in the McAllister family had something to do to help them get ready to make it to the airport, everyone who follows Jesus has something to do as part of our continuing mission. In other words, the church's continuing mission belongs to all of God's people. We can all do something to help. So follow along with me as Paul explains his travel plans in Romans 15, 23 to 29. He writes, But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So in this passage, Paul is making clear his travel plans. He's going to travel to Spain via Rome. And before he does that, he's actually going to travel to Jerusalem to take some aid to the poor who are there. 
And amidst these travel plans, Paul has some lessons for us, some important truths that also apply to our lives. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about both those travel plans and the message that Paul has for us today. But first, I want to speak to those who are here or who are watching who don't actually consider themselves followers of Jesus. And the thing I really want to say to you is thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come to church or to watch church. I know as we get into our message, there's going to be something of value and importance for you. But more important than this idea that the church's continuing mission belongs to all of God's people, I actually want to invite you to become one of God's people, to follow Jesus. Because without that foundation, very little of what we're going to talk about today is actually going to be all that important or meaningful for your life. And if you want to talk more about what it means to follow Jesus, I would love to talk with you after service. My cell phone number is going to be up on the screen during our response time. I would love to text with you or talk with you this week about what it means to follow Jesus. So now let's begin our look at Romans 15, and let's begin with some context. Remember, Romans was originally a letter from Paul to a specific church, the church in the city of Rome, and for the three of you who still write letters, you know that you sit down with a piece of paper and you write something out, and then you hand it to someone. Today, you hand it to the postal service. In the ancient world, you actually had to hand it to a person, and then that person would take that message all the way to its destination. So Paul is writing to Rome, but he is writing from the city of Corinth. Now, uh, Corinth is in kind of the southern half of Greece, and it's about this region that Paul says what he writes in verse 23, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions. That is, for Paul, his work of planting churches in and around Corinth is more or less complete. And in fact, for Paul, his, his work of starting new churches in kind of the eastern half of the Roman Empire is pretty much done. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone in those areas follows Jesus. Far from it. But Paul wants the local churches to be sharing the good news of Jesus. His job is to bring the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And to do this, he gives us his destination in verse 24. Spain, which is the end of the known world at this time. But he's not just going to Spain. He, he tells the Romans, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. So Paul is going to travel from Corinth to Rome to Spain. But then he introduces this other trip he's going to take to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem. Why? Because the Christians in Macedonia and Achaia have made a contribution to the poor in Jerusalem. And if you're slightly lost because of all the place names, that's okay. We're going to break this down. So, Paul is writing from Corinth, and Corinth is this city right here at the north end of this red line. Paul is writing in Corinth, and uh, he's going to travel to Jerusalem, and he's going to take with him money from Macedonia and Achaia. And those are the regional place names. Those are like the, the state names, as it were, for the, kind of the southern half of modern Greece, the area around Corinth. So Paul's going to take money from Corinth to Jerusalem, and then from Jerusalem, he's going to travel up to Rome, which is in Italy. And then from Rome, he's going to travel over to Spain. 
Now, for some context, this journey that Paul is going to go on is about 3,000 miles long, which is actually slightly longer than the trip uh, than a trip from New York City to San Francisco, California, would take. That's about 3,000 miles. And today, you can take that trip in about seven hours by plane. So not a short plane trip, but certainly something you can do in one day. And if you were to drive that trip, it would take you something like 44 hours. But in Paul's day, no planes, no cars, right? You have to take a ship. The ship is the fastest way to go. And if you're going to take Paul's journey via ship, it would have taken something like nine straight weeks of travel. Nine weeks. 63 days. 1,500 hours. You and your kids stuck in a car. Think about that. It's a long trip Paul is taking. This is a pretty significant undertaking. This is a really massive plan that he is outlining here. Now, for those of you who are interested, we actually see a big chunk of these travels talked about in the book of Acts, which is another book in the New Testament. Uh, in Acts chapters 20 and 21, we see Paul, what happens from Paul as he travels from Corinth to Jerusalem. Paul's actually arrested in Jerusalem, so he's kind of in and around Jerusalem for several chapters. But then in Acts 27 and 28, he travels from Jerusalem to Rome. And then Acts ends. And so we don't actually know if Paul ever made it to Spain. We don't actually know if Paul ever completed his travel plans as he has them in Romans 15. There are some uh, early Christian traditions that suggest, yes, Paul actually did make it over to Rome, I'm sorry, over to Spain, and then he was arrested and then brought back to Rome where he was eventually martyred, but we don't actually know. We don't know if he ever completed this journey. What we do know, however, is that amidst these travel plans, Paul has some lessons for us, some things for his Roman audience and for us today. And the big message is that the church's continuing mission belongs to all of God's people. You see, Paul is traveling, Paul is spreading the good news of Jesus, but it's not all about him. Everyone is expected to help and support. It's kind of like when you're going on vacation. Sure, some people may do some heavier lifting than others. Maybe someone drives a lot. But everyone has a role to play. Because in Christianity, the work of spreading the gospel, the good news that God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, the work of spreading that good news is not just for people like Paul. It's not just a job of pastors and missionaries, evangelists and teachers to share that news. It's actually everybody's job. In verse 24, Paul says that he hopes to be helped on his journey by the Roman church. Everyone can help with the spread of the gospel. A few months back, we were in Romans 12, and we were talking about how every person who follows Jesus has a spiritual gift. Right? Some of us have the gift of teaching, others of encouragement or leadership. Some people have the gift of mercy or generosity. We all have different gifts. And the point here is that all of us can use those gifts to support the spread of the good news of Jesus. 
When I was younger and living at home with my parents, they decided to serve as a host home for some missionaries uh, from Brazil. Ruth and Charlie uh, were uh, folks who, uh, uh, Charlie flew a plane and Ruth supported him. Charlie would fly to remote areas of the Amazon jungle uh, where no one else could reach. And he would uh, spread the good news of Jesus and support missionaries who were living among indigenous tribes. And so they were coming to the United States to raise some money to go back to Brazil and to continue this very important work, and they needed a place to stay. They needed a place to sleep. And lo and behold, I had a bedroom. I had a bed they could use, and I was capable at that young age of sleeping on the couch for a week. And so I did that. I gave up my room for these folks. And that was incredibly insignificant. But it helped spread the good news of Jesus because it helped them raise support and help them go back to Brazil and help them to continue to share that good news. And the expectation is for all Christians to live that way, to do the little seemingly insignificant things that we can do to help spread the good news of Jesus. We can all help. And as Paul continues to talk in this part of Romans, he actually communicates three specific ways that we are able to help with the church's continuing mission. And those three ways are to live generously, to extend hospitality, and to pray. Now, next week, Pastor Matt is actually going to talk about what it means to pray uh, in a little more detail. So for the rest of our time here this morning, we're actually going to talk about what it means to live generously and to extend hospitality. And Paul actually has quite a bit to say in this part of Romans about the importance and indeed the necessity of living generously. Look at, again at verses 25 through 27. He writes, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. And so... Paul is telling us he's bringing aid to the church at Jerusalem. Now, he doesn't actually tell us why the Jerusalem church needs aid uh, from Acts and some other historical sources. It seems like there had been a famine in the land, so it's very likely that Paul is taking this money back to help provide food for the people who are hungry in Jerusalem. But Paul doesn't really focus on that. He actually focuses on the response to that need that the Christians in Macedonia and Achaia are having. And he says that they are pleased to help the poor in Jerusalem. In fact, he uses the word pleased twice. They are pleased, pleased. And the language here is actually indicative of the fact that these Christians felt an honor, an extreme honor, in helping with the need that the poor Christians were having. But there's also more at work here. Because in verse 27, Paul talks about how these Christians actually owe generosity. For Paul, the Gentile Christians, the non-Jewish Christians living in Macedonia and Achaia, owed the Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem. 
It was a form of, there's a form of debt repayment going on here. The Jewish Christians in Jerusalem have shared their spiritual blessings. They have shared the good news of Jesus with these non-Jewish Christians. And in response, the non-Jewish Christians ought to give back. They owe generosity. And this is how Paul is instructing the Roman church about what it means to be generous. Living generously means to give to people in need and to give in love. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I give away all that I have but have not love, I have nothing. And so being generous means giving to need and it means giving in love. And I think here at Rooftop, we do a good job of that. I think when there is a need that is clearly expressed, we step up and we help with that need. Whether it's with the Mexico mission trip or the homeless mission, the homeless outreach or the Afton Christian food pantry or fostering faithful families or something going on in someone's life. When there is a need, we can be generous. But Paul also talks about us owing generosity. And we don't like to talk that way. As Americans, generosity is something that comes out of our goodness and our merit. It's our decision to make about what, our, what we do with our money. Maybe it's just me, but when I'm on a website and I'm scrolling and that pop-up box shows up and it's like, you're using this website, you should donate. I don't like that. No, no, no. Don't you tell me what to do with my hard-earned money. I will give where I want to. Because as Americans, we have this idea that generosity means a free gift, but that's not quite what Paul is saying here. Paul is actually saying that there are certain instances when we owe generosity. Specifically, when someone has benefited us spiritually. And this is actually an important part of what the New Testament has to say about giving to the church. You don't give to the church because it makes you feel good or because you can write it off on your taxes. No, no, you give to the church in response to the spiritual value that the church has given you. And so as you live your life and as you're being generous, don't just think about where you can be generous. Think about where you might owe generosity. Now, the second thing that Paul has for us in this passage how, as for how we can help support the continuing mission of the church is to extend hospitality. Extend hospitality. And he talks about this in verses uh, 24 and then 28 through 29. He writes, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. And then later, when therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul expects the Roman church, who, remember, he's never actually seen, Paul has never been to Rome. He doesn't know all of these people he's writing to. He expects them, when he shows up, to welcome him and to host him and to help him financially and otherwise on his way to Spain. He's expecting 
quite a bit of generous hospitality. Paul thinks that when he shows up in Rome, he's going to ring the Roman church's doorbell and he's going to be welcomed in, given a warm meal, given a place to stay, and said to Paul, you can stay here as long as you like, and that they actually mean that when they say that to him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't usually make that offer to people I like, let alone people who I've never met from a foreign country who just show up. And as I have been thinking about what is going on in this passage, I've actually been doing some research, and one of the things I did was I read this book. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. And if you don't know, Rosaria is a former LGBTQ activist who encountered Jesus through the hospitality of a pastor and his family. And in this book, Rosaria talks about this idea called radically ordinary hospitality. Radically ordinary hospitality, where Christians open up their homes and use their homes as the place to love on people and to go through the ups and downs of life, to get life together, regardless of who those folks are. And there are a lot of really good principles and a lot of really good stories in this book. And if you're a reader at all, I would really encourage you to pick this book up and read it. It's a really fantastic uh, book. But one of the stories that stood out to me was the story of Hank. Hank was a reclusive neighbor of Rosaria and her family, and uh, they struggled a little bit to get to know Hank, but eventually they figured out that Hank liked to go on walks with his dog, so they would all walk their dogs together. And as Rosaria and her family got to know Hank, they were able to show him love and show him hospitality, and they were slowly becoming friends, and then one day the SWAT team showed up at Hank's house because he was cooking meth in the house across the street from Rosaria and her kids and family. And understandably, the neighborhood was a little upset that someone was cooking meth down the road. But Rosaria and her family took a different approach. They continued to love on Hank. They continued to show him hospitality. They took in his dog. They did what they could to save some of his personal items from his home. They visited him in prison. They wrote him letters. They continued to show him hospitality and love, even though he had literally endangered their lives. That kind of hospitality, the kind of hospitality that Rosaria writes about, the kind of hospitality that Paul is talking about here in Romans, is only possible because of the good news of Jesus. Because if Jesus is alive, it literally makes a difference in the world. If Jesus is alive, it means that he has bridged the unbridgeable, the chasm between our selfish sinfulness and God's holiness. If Jesus is alive, it means he's bridged the things we think are unbridgeable, like the broken relationship we have with a family member or the racial tension that we have to deal with, the social unrest in our lives, the hatred that we seem to have for each other. And the good news is, of course, Jesus is alive. And radically ordinary hospitality calls us to make that a tangible part of who we are and how we live every day by showing love and hospitality to those around us. 
And this is something that Haley and I have really been thinking about and wrestling with the past several months. What it means to be hospitable. What it means to be hospitable to our rooftop family. What it means to be hospitable to our actual physical neighbors. And it's hard. It's hard because I like my time. I like my space. And if I invite people into my home, I'm giving up both. And I'm going to be honest, I don't like having to love other people more than I love myself. But that's what hospitality calls us to do. Because we want our home to be a place where Jesus bridges the unbridgeable. And so my question for all of you this morning is, what can hospitality look like for you this week? Let me make it a little more practical. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors' names? Do you know what they do? Have you had them over to your home? When was the last time you did something for your neighbor that wasn't actually about you? Imagine what could happen if we were hospitable to our neighbors, if we showed them and didn't just tell them what it means to be loved by Jesus. What could happen? Whether you live generously or you extend hospitality or you use whatever gift God has given you, Paul's message to us in Romans 15 is very clear. We all have something that we can be doing to support the continuing mission of the church. And I want to challenge you to take very seriously Paul's call to help. What can you do to support the continuing mission? We can't all be pastors and teachers, and that's actually a really good thing. We can't all do that, but we can all help. We can all support the good news that Jesus came to earth lived, died, rose again, and is coming again. The gospel is going on a trip, and you can help. What are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the continuing mission that you've given to all of those who follow you. Thank you that the truth of our faith isn't just some abstract, esoteric philosophy that's hidden away and that we never get to experience. Thank you for the burden and the privilege of being able to help with this mission that we've been given. Thank you for the opportunity to contribute in the ways that you've gifted us in. Father, whether it's through our generosity or our hospitality or just other gifts that you've given us, give us the boldness and the desire to do what we can, even if it seems insignificant, to make the name of Jesus great in our world. Father, make us bright lights in the darkness. Give us opportunities and relationships where we can proclaim you. Father, thank you for people like the Apostle Paul who are missionaries today, 
give them safety and wisdom and effectiveness. Thank you for the opportunity to be generous here at Rooftop and in support of those missionaries. Lord, empower us to help wherever and however we can. Help us to support the travel plans of the good news of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.